Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.57 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 4th of December, 2019. This is episode 171 of Bitcoin and my cat's farting that i'm i'm serious man it's so bad i had to take her to the vet yesterday (laughs) i'm talking vile and constant oh so yeah round of stomach antibiotics and some uh specially formulated gastrointestinal food for the kitty to see if it gets rid of this vile stench that follows her around like a poltergeist. I'm, dude, not kidding. I've never seen, I've had cats in my life, all my life. Never, ever have I seen anything even remotely approaching this. And it's been going on for like a month. And it's like, oh my God, stop coming over and farting on me. <laughs> okay, what do we got? What do we got? We got some good news and and it gets progressively it gets progressively stupid as as the show goes on. So let's get started with the freaking boss. All right. This dude uh, named Kyle Honeycutt, um, he uh, tweeted out, reason number 42 why I don't use wallets. And he's uh, retweeting a guy named Damien Me. And he Damien says, the pattern of forcing users to write down the seed of a mobile wallet while blocking screenshots before they can even use the wallet really, really has to stop. It's an outrageously terrible UX, and it's really not that hard to do better. So a guy named Rob Mitchell writes back to Kyle's retweet and says, well, what do you use? And here's where Kyle becomes the freaking boss, dude. I ditched all wallets in 2016. I build, sign, and broadcast raw transactions for everything now. All you need to spend. One, transaction ID of input. Two, in out, aka V out, of input. Three, input value, if segwit. Four, private key. Five, destination address. Dangerous? Yes. Sovereign user? Yes. And I'll add, boss, yeah, <laughs> dude, that would, I mean, it's its a scary thing making a transaction off of a hardware wallet anyway. I'm just like kind of, you kind of got to just stand in awe of somebody who can, this, this to me is like people that know how to program in machine language or assembly language where they're like, no, I, I, don't, I don't even want like to do the upper level languages. Now let's just go right to the, let's just go right to the freaking metal on the chip. Right. It's just, like I said, boss, man, total boss. What else we got on here for the community? We have <clears throat> guy Swan, dude. Um, definitely going to give a, a shout out to my bro guy. Uh, he has a tweet out there. He did yesterday says, finally, the unabridged audiobook of Money, Bitcoin, and Time by Breedlove22. That is at Breedlove22. An awesome piece for a deep dive into the Bitcoin perspective. Download and listen for free. Enjoy. And then he gives the uh, uh, he gives a link to his uh, where he's actually doing that reading on his podcast, or uh, to the actually it's like yeah it's on his podcast, but it's like it's you know it's one of his longest reads ever. This thing, dudes, this thing weighs in at like four and a half hours, somewhere around there. And yeah, the Irishman was only three and a half hours and people are bitching about that. So hats off to Guy Swan for reading for over four hours. I'm sure he didn't do it four hours straight. That would completely 
roast your voice. But anyway, anyway, so that's going to do it for what's going on in the community. Uh, let's get on into uh, some vitals. Right, bitinfocharts.com has Bitcoin pegged as with a bump at 7,477. Looks like our high is going to be chilling out over at CoinsBit at 7,603. Our low appears to be down there at, oh, yep, going to be X rates. I haven't heard of that one before. 7,469. So pretty fairly tight trading. We have had 328,000 transactions in the last 24 hours with about 13,000 transactions going per hour. 978,000 BTC have been traded in the last 24 hours, meaning that 40,791 BTC are being sent on average per hour. About three BTC is the average transaction value, and the median transaction value is 0.032. And I'm going to stop right there because I've been noticing a trend. Um, If we look at the dollar value, the average transaction value is about 22,000 USD. The median transaction value is about $235 USD. These things seem to be tracking on, you know, orders of magnitude, um, and not, you know, being multiplied. Like it's, it's not like it's, I'm, I'm, I'm getting like, it's always, I just want to try to say, it's always seems to be matched by what's going to be two orders of magnitude from the median transaction value, uh, matching, uh, two orders of magnitude lower than the average transaction value. I'd see that as rather, I don't know, from a, from a statistical standpoint, I find that kind of, I don't know, reassuring. There's something about that that is pegged so closely together, and it's always, it's not a wild swing. It's not like it's $22,000 being sent on average per val- or on average per transaction, and then 500 is the median transaction value. It always seems to be, for as, especially as of late, it's always seemed to be tracking really, really, really close. So uh, the block time is low at 8 minutes and 50 seconds. Can you guess why? Um, we have 0.16 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 27.3 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. The hash rate has indeed increased by 7.69% to bring us to 100.338 exahashes per second. And the last get, uh, commit to the GitHub repository for Bitcoin was sometime yesterday. Everybody seems to be having a, an up day. Ethereum is 149. Bcash is at 216. Litecoin is at 46.3. BSV is at 99. Ethereum Classic is at 3.9. Dogecoin is at 0.0023. With 26,000 transactions, uh, Doge is beating Litecoin's 21,000 transactions over the last 24 hours. We appear to be very light on the mempool today, people. In fact, I just saw a block come across the screen that was not full. It said, uh, well, it's it's over um, one megabyte, but still, it's it, it had some capacity there. We are only one block deep into the mempool with only 85 unconfirmed transactions. And that is, of course, if mempool.space is actually able to gather the correct information. The current block that just got minted was number 606631 for those keeping score. Lightning Network, we have this from 1ml.com. We have passed oh, 10,663 is the number of nodes that we can see on the network. And the reason I say that we can see is that there's more nodes on the network, but they are set to a situation where we cannot see them. So we can't see them. Network capacity has increased by 3% to 843 BTC. Number of new nodes online is nine, and that represents a 28% increase in the last 24 hours. And the number of new channels that are being diapered and uh, bottled is 179, and that represents about a 20% increase of new channels in the last 24 hours. There's your vitals. (music) 
All right, man. I'm going to let Vlad Costia introduce the song for the day with his tweet that says, We can't be friends if you, one, think the Irishman was too long and therefore you didn't watch it. Two, strongly believe the old Kanye was better. Three, don't agree that Led Zeppelin is the greatest live band ever. Nice. Four, claim text because you think free shit coins are a good idea. And on that last note, it appears that Richard Hart has indeed raised a million dollars, even over the hundreds of voices outright calling him a scam and hex a scam. And through through it all, he was still able to raise a million dollars. Go figure. So how does this relate to the song of the day? Well, I got a song from Coverdale and Page. Uh, David Coverdale and uh, Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Now, back in the day, after the way after the days of Led Zeppelin, uh, but still quite a while ago, David Coverdale and uh, Jimmy Page got together and wrote an album. I think the name of it is Coverdale Page. Good music. It's really good. It's really good, man. And that's why you're going to get an earful of it right now. charged up after that one let's get into the morning roundup wolfie zhao writing for coindesk uh sometime yesterday oh 1605 utc 
China's internet firewall has blocked access to Ethereum block explorer, etherscan.io. China's great firewall used by the government to regulate access to foreign internet sites has blocked one of the most popular sources of Ethereum blockchain data. As of Tuesday, etherscan.io, one of the longest running and most widely used Ethereum block explorers, was inaccessible from IP addresses inside mainland China based on tests performed locally. The change appears to be recent, according to thegreatfire.org, uh, which compiles and monitors a database of sites that are blocked inside China. Etherscan.io was still accessible with no censorship detected as of August 18th, 2019. But greatfire.org's scanning record shows Etherscan has become 100% blocked since at least October the 30th, rendering it inaccessible from inside China unless via a virtual private network. This is likely the first known case of a blockchain explorer becoming an internet firewall target and puts etherscan.io in the company of such blocked information and social media sites as Google, Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit. Quote, this is another instance of friction between the decentralized and immutable technology of blockchain and the tightly controlled centralized government of China, said Matthew Graham, CEO of blockchain investment firm Sino Global Capital. We should expect additional pro problems like these in the future as blockchain is integrated further into the Chinese economy and daily life. It's not immediately clear what exactly led to the blocking of a blockchain explorer in China. But last year, there were reports that cryptocurrency users encoded censored articles regarding the Me Too movement and a pharmaceutical scandal in China onto Ethereum transactions in a bid to bypass Internet censorship. Internet users have been sharing on WeChat the hash of those transactions using Etherscan.io, which even prompted WeChat to later block users from viewing the exact Etherscan.io URLs from inside the messaging app. Etherscan.io <clears throat> site itself remained intact at the time. Quote, some have used this feature to post sensitive messages without the need to worry about the message being blocked or removed or their identity being exposed. Anyone with a blockchain explorer like Etherscan can view these messages, so it's not surprising that the website has come into the crosshairs of Internet censors, said Graham. Matthew Tan Founder and CEO of Etherscan said his firm noticed the block within the last three months but was unsure of the exact date. He said he doesn't know why this occurred and thus cannot speculate on what the reasons might be. There is evidence that the blockage may have happened sometime in September and went largely unnoticed. For instance, MakerDAO, the decentralized finance project, switched from using Etherscan.io to a WeChat post <clears throat> in Chinese on September the 16th to using a new Etherscan site, cn.etherscan.com, in another post on September 30th. The new site, which appears identical to etherscan.io, is currently accessible from inside China. To be clear, a blockchain explorer is merely an online portal that makes it easier for end users to browse transaction information of a decentralized network. The actual blockchain transactions are not stored in any centralized database and thus can't be taken down by a single entity, regardless of geographic locations, unless you're Vitalik and you get killed in a car accident. And then, whoopsies, so far, other Ethereum explorers are still accessible from inside mainland China. <clears throat> the part about Vitalik was me. That was not actually in the article, just, you know, just to be clear. But what's not, what I think is not clear to a lot of people is, why the hell should you care? Well, this is why we Bitcoin. People, this is exactly why we Bitcoin. And here's, here's the thing. If you were able to spin up an Ethereum node, which, and I can't remember his name offhand, he had this epic tweet thread of, of his daily activities trying to spin up an Ether node, and I don't think he ever did. Even if he did, it took him 28 days, like a month, it took him a month to get that thing online. And it was just, oh God, reading that, that dude's thread, I was like, oh God, you poor dumb bastard. Not dumb. He definitely not dumb. I'm just saying you, you poor bastard to experience that kind of pain is just, is, is, is unrelenting. Right? So the only way that you would be able to see the ether transactions without a website like etherscan.io is that you have to have your own node. Now, if you don't have your own node, then you're, you're, you, you have to go to some kind of blockchain monitor like etherscan.io or bitcoin.info or, well, I don't like bitcoin.info. I really shouldn't even say their, their name. But in either event, <clears throat> that node 
because it's because it's so big and it's just it's an it's there's so much weight to it and it just makes it ah, untenable to be able to run a node if you're running a bitcoin node it's or if you're not running a bitcoin node it's the same deal you have to rely on a third party to read the blockchain because they're reading their own node and then porting that into a way that you can read it on a URL, right? So if you don't have a Bitcoin node, you're in the same freaking boat. This is why you run your own node. The problem is for guys with Ether, it's almost impossible to run a full node. A full archival node in Ether is, I, I don't think it, people say they have them. I'm not sure. I mean, if I'm sure they're spun up on AWS or, you know, something like that that can be shut down with a flick of a switch and a call from somebody in the government. But again, this is why we Bitcoin. Okay. I'm just, that's, that's all I got to say. This one is just in. Yeah. Well, just in as of this morning, Um, British Virgin Islands launch own digital currency. This is from, this is actually from the Bitcoinist, but I'm getting it off of Crypto Freak Network. <clears throat> the government of the British Virgin Islands is about to announce the details of its own digital currency. The project is developed in partnership with blockchain-oriented startup LifeLabs.io. More governments are turning to proprietary digital currencies over the last year than ever before. China and the Marshall Islands are some good examples. Now it's time for BVI to join the trend. Let me stop right there. The whole reason that I'm, and I'm not even going to read this whole thing, but I want to bring it to your attention that this is yet another announcement from some banking authority representing the the financial infrastructure of a country saying that they're going to do it. How long before we get the news that they categorically deny that they're doing this? Because the Marshall Islands did that shit. And this, this, this would be, either uh, story number four or five that I've read that within 48 hours, that same entity said, no, we ain't doing that. No, no, that's not us, man. We're not doing it again. If, if the trend holds, I expect in 48 hours for the British Virgin islands to come out and say, no, that's what, what I'm saying. Uh, just, but keep your eyes on it. This is a trend that I that I've seen developed, you know, over last last few weeks. In fact, <clears throat> so I don't know why I don't know why they say that they're going to do it and then come back out and say that they're not going to do it. It's not at this point. If it happens again, I'm not chalking it up to bad reporting. I'm chalking it up to something going on. So anyway, that's that's all I'm going to tell you about that one. This is the one that's got me excited. Bitfinex CTO Paolo Arduino on adding Lightning Network support. That's right, Bitfinex got Lightning. If let me repeat that, Bitfinex added Lightning <coughs> on December the second, twenty nineteen. Bitfinex officially informed its subscribers that it had added support for Lightning Network deposits and withdrawals. Subsequently, Bitfinex CTO Paolo Arduino confirmed the information in a tweet. A few days before this announcement, Arduino agreed to do an exclusive inter- interview with Bitcoin Magazine to provide more technical details of the Lightning integration. This marked a big step in the development of Bitcoin and the Lightning Network as a major exchange. Finally, integrated second layer Satoshis. Quote, I think that Lightning is definitely the best way to send and receive Bitcoins, said Arduino during the opening of the interview. For me, the Lightning Network is exactly how the perfect payment system should be built nice. In regards to the process that users will have to follow in order to send their Lightning Satoshis to Bitfinex, Arduino describes a system during which the exchange issues a proprietary intermediary token. Quote, the process is simple. You go on the Lightning Network deposit page, you generate an invoice, and then pay it with any Lightning wallet that you may use, he said. Bitfinex will credit you LNX, our proprietary Lightning Network currency, and then you can exchange it on a one-to-one ratio for Bitcoin. Bitfinex will not charge a premium for exchanging second-layer Satoshi for main or for main chain BTC or vice versa. However, withdrawals will have the regular fees. Quote, there is no premium in this step. However, we will apply a small fee when you process a withdrawal in the opposite way, but that's it. We don't apply any premium or any conversion rate for this service, said Arduino. 
From a technical point of view, Bitfinex makes use of LND, the client developed by Lightning Labs. However, as acknowledged by Arduino, Blockstream C Lightning is regarded as a worthy replacement in the near future. Quote, right now we are running LND, but we are planning to add C Lightning, he said. I like the C Lightning implementation because it feels more modular and plug-in based. It's excellent as a base layer for additional developments as it feels like a Linux kernel. Yeah, gee, I wonder why. The Bitfinex CTO also revealed that the choice of a Lightning client is the result of a partnership that will be announced in the coming days. Yep, and I've got that coming up next. Hold on. At the moment, we are using LND because it also it's also what our partner uses for integrations. More information about this collaboration will be announced this Wednesday. That's today, people, and they announced it. <clears throat> oh, boy, did they announce it. Arduino also pointed out that Bitfinex has always positioned itself on the side of Bitcoin innovation and lightning support is its follow-up to being pioneers in adding BEC32 addresses and implementing SegWit. Quote, I think that it's really important for an exchange to finally show real support for the Lightning Network. If we don't take a little more risk, we will not be able to keep up with the innovation which our industry is used. Ah, probably meant to which our industry is used to. Bitfinex will do its part and has always worked to open the path for everyone else. You saw that with BEC32 addresses and early SegWit adoption. In the coming days, Bitfinex will publish all of the information about connecting to its public node in order to open channels. Also, as clarified by Arduino, tutorials will be provided in multiple languages in order to offer seamless onboarding. Last but not least, Arduino also addressed security concerns that might arise in adopting new technology. Quote, if an exchange loses a few thousand dollars worth of BTC in order to improve and push the growth of this great technology, I think that that the situation is not problematic at all. I think I worded wrong. He said, it's part of the risk you're taking when running the exchange. The best step we can take is to embrace lightning early and prove that the technology is not as bad or insecure as it gets described. No shit. So who the hell is he talking about? He's talking about BitRefill. Check this shit out, man. BitRefill and Bitfinex bring shopping to traders with 2,000-plus gift cards and refills. Now, this is, the, this is on blog.bitrefill.com, and it was released this morning, as you can tell. Actually, early this morning. I think they released the, the news around 3 a.m. my time, and I'm on Central Standard Time. Bitfinex, a state-of-the-art asset digital asset trading cap platform, and BitRefill, a provider of digital gift cards and mobile airtime refills using Bitcoin technologies, will enable customers to shop with Bitcoin and BitRefill's catalog of 2,000-plus prepaid voucher products starting today. Bitfinex customers can shop for a variety of services, including gaming, dining, entertainment, and travel gift cards. Bitfinex customers will be able to use Bitcoin in their account wallet, to instantly shop from BitRefill's international catalog of digital gift cards and mobile phone refills for 170 countries. That's most of them, folks. That's most of them. Bitfinex recently introduced support for Bitcoin deposits and withdrawals on the Lightning Network. With newly added Lightning deposit and withdrawal features at, Bit, at Bitfinex, customers can spend less time waiting and more time trading or shopping. The provision of this new payment feature underlines our company's commitment to building a new digital economy, Bitfinex and BitRefill utilize customer, uh, sorry, customized versions of Lightning to open large channels together, exceeding the default limits in place. Wumbo channels, people, those were Wumbo channels, but allowing better flow and reliability to users. <clears throat> BitRefill and Bitfinex have created the world's first dynamic B2B settlement process over the Lightning Network. <clears throat> In the background, BitRefill and Bitfinex will instantly settle payments automatically over Lightning using a dedicated channel setup, eliminating the need for B2B credit term relationships. Quote, we believe that getting Bitcoin exchanges on to the Lightning Network early is integral to preparing for the next wave of adoption and building out a parallel economy for Bitcoin. This collaboration signals a new era for Bitcoin commerce. We will continue to work closely with Bitfinex and other businesses to develop lightning solutions and products that make living on crypto a reality, eventually removing depend, depend, dependency on fiat rails. And that was John Carvalho, the CCO at BitRefill. <clears throat> 
the joint initiative aims to close the loop for Bitcoin circular economy by integrating BitRefills catalog into the Bitfinex.com website while leveraging the cutting edge capabilities of the Lightning Network. Earlier this year, Bitfinex and BitRefill also created a consortium with other industry players exploring the development of open source technology to enable token functionality on the Lightning Network based on the RGB protocol. Quote, Bitcoin's use as a means of payment represents an important milestone in the inevitable journey towards mass adoption. This is why the Lightning Network is so important. As an exchange, Bitfinex is at the forefront of developing solutions utilizing this technology. This venture with BitRefill further demonstrates our commitment to the crypto ecosystem and all the great work that is being done. And that was Paolo Arduino, CTO at Bitfinex. And that's so that's the end of the blog post. So, dude... That happened. So that so this happened, right? This oh, let me get some. Uh, sorry, I, I give them, give them some claps for this. You know, just just got some, sorry. See if I can max it out. Boom, max it out at fifty. Cool. Okay. Um, I don't know really what to say about this other than that I'm I'm really excited about this. Um, I knew that bit refill was. Um, I don't know, like everybody else that I, all the other companies that I really like, it's like they're all on fire. Fold, <clears throat> you try Lolly and and got all their their announcements. My God Almighty, um, all of this. I mean, if you didn't if you didn't know, try Lolly just hooked up with Expedia, so there's that. If you didn't know, um, these guys are all on fire, and. It, and it's it's such a stark contrast to reading absolute dribble. Um, let me see if I can give you a, a, a small dose of what I'm talking about here. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Yeah. Kenneth Bosack on, on Twitter. And I, this guy's got a long and storied history with shit coinery, but he actually tweeted out yesterday, I'm starting to agree with Roger Ver about... Bitcoin Cash, BCH. Uh, I don't see what I don't see what it is that you guys don't see. I just I I don't. I I'm I'm absolutely just whatever. Okay, so continuing yet ending with the whole bit refill thing. This is from uh this is a tweet from at lntxbot. You can now choose custom amounts for bit refill cards on LNTX bot too. And then it gives a screenshot of uh, the interface on how to do that. If you don't know telegram there, there's a bot that has integrated the lightning network into telegram. And now they're apparently just working direct with bit ref, bit refill. And it's, it's amazing. And it's just, it's hard to keep up with. It's actually, it's impossible. Who am I kidding? It's impossible to keep up with. I needed to slow down much like Ethereum's proposed hard fork. Moor glacier would delay impending ice age. This is Joeri Kant writing for Toy- coin telegraph sometime yesterday. Ethereum developers have proposed a hard fork named Moor Muir M U I R glacier that should address the impending ice age which could cause a significant slowdown on the Ethereum mainnet. In an Ethereum improvement proposal at the end of November, Ethereum developer James Hancock wrote that the proposed Ethereum Moore Glacier hard fork would push back the mechanism known as Ice Age. Ethereum's Ice Age, also known as the difficulty bomb, refers to the increasing hashing difficulty in the mining algorithm used to reward miners with Ether on its blockchain. This piece of coding artificially slows down the production of blocks on Ethereum's blockchain and therefore functions as a deterrent for miners who might choose to continue with proof of work even after Ethereum has transitioned to proof of stake. (laughs) I doubt it's ever going to, but whatever. However... According to Hancock, the existing implementation of Ice Age is unnecessarily complex and confusing to communicate to the community. He adds that any updates to the design should be able to model the effect of the network in a straightforward way that is easy to predict when it occurs. Currently, Hancock does not believe this is the case. He further points out that Ethereum's upcoming hard fork would push back the mechanism as far as, this is in quotes, as far as is reasonable, end quote. 
to give developers the time to decide whether to update Ice Age so that its behavior becomes predictable or to remove it entirely. He added, quote, the fork would give us time to address the community, to understand their priorities better as far as the intentions of the Ice Age and give time for proposals for better mechanisms to achieve those goals. In November, blockchain advisory and product development firm Acomba Labs conducted a test on the Ethereum network that showed it could make block propagation at least twice as fast. Test findings showed that the average block propagation performance dropped from 360 milliseconds without running blocks routes blockchain distribution network to 172 milliseconds with it. I don't even know why that's there. It's always three weeks out with these people. It's always three weeks out. And now it's going to be another three weeks out. And if for those of you who don't know, that's like sort of like two weeks, which is a meme that was uh, fabricated during the time of something called Butterfly Labs. But that at this point is becoming ancient history. So I won't get into that. These guys are pushing this back and they've been pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back. And sometimes I just wonder if they know what they're doing at all or not. And I'm leaning towards not. Why the hell would you introduce something and then have to work around your very own implementation of that thing that you implement? I just, the shit coinery in this is, it's astounding. Absolutely freaking astounding. Okay. Colin Harper is writing this one for Bitcoin magazine sometime yesterday. The nonprofit push to make Giving Tuesday about giving Bitcoin. Nice. Black Friday's history is complicated. The United States tradition of shopping on the day after Thanksgiving dates back to the early 20th century. Though the term wasn't coined until the 1960s, since then the event has unraveled into a multi-day scramble of door-busting deals. For some, it now begins on the day of Thanksgiving itself and has extended its influence into such offshoot events like Cyber Monday a day of digital shopping discounts. It has also given rise to Giving Tuesday. As the name implies, Giving Tuesday is meant to encourage philanthropy and charity in response... Sorry about that. Had to sneeze. In response to the consumerism that has come to define the days after Thanksgiving. And as sats back, programs like Fold and Lolly embrace the post-Thanksgiving traditions with their own deals for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. One organization wants to put Bitcoin at the forefront of Giving Tuesday. The Giving Block, a nonprofit that provides Bitcoin payment processing solutions for charities and other nonprofits, is giving perhaps the widest reaching Bitcoin charity campaign for this year's Giving Tuesday. Bitcoin Tuesday, as it is called, is calling all holders to fork over some of their sats in the name of goodwill and philanthropy. Quote, we have two blockchain or sorry, we have two Bitcoin Tuesday goals, one donation goal, one adoption goal, the Giving Block Co-founder Patrick Duffy told Bitcoin Magazine, the donation goal, raise $1 million in cryptocurrency for nonprofits. The adoption goal, get 1 million people to see positive Bitcoin content. Imagine if campaigns like this happened every day. Think about how much easier it would be to talk about Bitcoin at the dinner table. That's why we're doing this in quote. The Giving Block team believes the Bitcoin donations have not gained as much traction for Giving Tuesday as one might expect. Uh, the, oh, sorry, this may be in part because of the learning curve that comes with using Bitcoin. That's why the Giving Block's first hire was tasked with going from nonprofit to nonprofit to glean where the pain points were in accepting BTC donations and how it could conceive board members or, right, sorry, convince board members to adopt a crypto based donation solution for an oft maligned digital currency sometimes associated in pop culture with the dark underpinnings of the web, Bitcoin actually has a rich history of philanthropy. Examples include the 5057 BTC Pineapple Fund, I remember that one, which Duffy said changed his life and inspired the creation of the company and projects like BitGive and HelperBit. Duffy finds that Bitcoin donations should be a no-brainer given that, like stocks, these donations are exempt from capital gains tax. This could be enough to incentivize donations, he believes, along with what he calls the high-five effect, where where Bitcoiners still see nonprofits accepting Bitcoin as abnormal. So they'll send some crypto as a high-five for joining the crypto community. The giving block features roughly 100 different 
nonprofits for donating, including the Human Rights Foundation, the Mona Fund, No Kid Hungry, Save the Children, and the Tor Foundation. When you donate through the platform, the organization converts your Bitcoin donation into cash for the recipient and provides you with a tax receipt. In addition to Bitcoin, it also takes Ether, Litecoin, and Zcash, among other shitcoins. In hopes of boosting donations, the Giving Block wants to make SATS-powered philanthropy go viral with the Giving Bitcoin hashtag. It's already off to a good start. Rain Wilson, best known for his role as Dwight in The Office, recently tweeted his support for the effort. And here's Rain's tweet. Dwight from The Office just shouted out at our Bitcoin Tuesday campaign. Our favorite Dwight shoot quote, what gives me stress, seeking the, the approval of my inferiors. Thanks, Rain Wilson, for joining us at the Mona Foundation. And that's a, re a retweet of Rain's actual tweet, which says, Hodlers, Donate Bitcoin to the Mona Foundation and give the gift of education, monafoundation.org, give Bitcoin, and stay tuned for, ooh, nice, uh, stay tuned for Bitcoin Tuesday at the Giving Block, and then it's hashtag Bitcoin beats Battlestar Galactica. No, no, it doesn't. Giving Tuesday. Anyway, okay, so there you go. With a celebrity like Wilson behind the movement and a history of Bitcoin-bolstered altruism, Duffy hopes that campaigns like this will turn hodlers into donors and spread adoption across the globe. Quote, it will be nonprofits that bring Bitcoin mainstream, he said. Their incentives all align with Bitcoin's unique properties. Transparent, tra transparency, traceability, cross-border payments, micropayments, donations, stabilizing communities under unstable regimes, issuing unstable fiat, Nonprofits are about to send Bitcoin adoption parabolic. You hear that, Travis? Parabolic. All right. Now, getting into some mining news here. <clears throat> the new Texas gold rush, Bitcoin mining. This is Kieran Smith writing on the 1st of December for Brave New Coin. China has long dominated the Bitcoin mining industry, but a recent merger between two Western mining companies will make a small area of Texas home to the world's largest Bitcoin mine. With shared experience mining Bitcoin across Europe and North America, Frankfurt-based Northern Bitcoin and Texas-based Windstone, U.S., plan to build a gigawatt Bitcoin mining facility which will consume enough electricity to power over one, oh, sorry, half a million homes. This mega mining plant will join several smaller projects already on the plains of Texas that collectively may start to change, or sorry, challenge China's territorial dominance over the industry by giving the U.S. a larger slice of the action. <clears throat> In a joint statement announcing the merger, the co-founders of Winstone said the deal could shape the future course of the global mining industry. Quote, building the world's largest blockchain or Bitcoin mining facility in Texas is a big step for our fast-growing company and a great success for the blockchain industry in the United States, said Winstone U.S. Chief Operating Officer and co-founder Lyle Therrott. Construction of the plant is set to begin in 2020 when the merger is complete. The initial phase will see the creation of a $150 million data facility occupying 180,000 square feet. At this stage, the facility will have the capacity of more than 300 gigawatts, making it the largest Bitcoin mining plant in the world. The final capacity of one gigawatt is expected to be reached in the fourth quarter of 2020. The infrastructure is expected to be made available for other power-hungry applications like video rendering and artificial intelligence. The hot, humid plains of Texas might seem to be an illogical place to run the power-hungry chips needed to mine Bitcoin. These devices are typically put to work in colder regions where they are less likely to overheat. But the new mega venture is just one of several Bitcoin mining projects choosing to build in this part of Texas outside Rockdale, which is in which in the early 50s was a bustling center of the aluminum smelting industry known as the town where it rains money. Since the massive aluminum smelting firm Alcoa left the area a decade ago, the local economy has fallen into decline. And in 2018, the former site failed to attract investors from Amazon, who turned down a bid to consider the 33,000-plus-acre site for its second corporate headquarters. A year later, an unlikely savior arrived in the form of Beijing-based Bitmain, which was fleeing increasing hostility from the Chinese government and keen to take advantage of the state's abundant supply of natural gas for powering generators and derelict aluminum smelting plants, which remain connected to the electricity grid. 
through or though the project faced delays on the back of financial difficulties following the Bitcoin downturn, the new headquarters of the Bitcoin mining giant was finally finished in October. Before Northern Bitcoin and Windstone arrived, this new mining plant looks set to be the world's largest with plans to increase its power output from an initial level of 25 megawatts to a maximum of 300 and also breathe life into the stagnant local economy by creating jobs and providing training and educational programs for locals. 500 miles west, another unique Bitcoin mining project is being built on dozens of acres of land between the Texas cities of Midland and El Paso. Digital currency group-backed layer firm Layer 1 announced last month that it had raised $50 million to develop a wind-powered Bitcoin mining plant that relies on a proprietary new cooling technology to prevent the chips from overheating in the Texas sun. Collectively, these mining projects provide more test cases for industrial redevelopment based on Bitcoin mining in locations that have neither cool weather nor renewable sources of energy. And they also offer an opportunity to wrench back some of the 70% of the Bitcoin mining market share controlled by miners based in China. This could help reduce the hypothetical threat to Bitcoin should the Chinese state ever attempt to take over mining facilities. Now, there's a couple of mistakes there. The, the, the plains of Texas, the, these things, the only thing that could even be considered being built on the quote plains of Texas is the one between Midland and El Paso, technically not the plains of Texas. And uh, Rockville, dude, that's in central Texas. There's, that's hill country. That is not the plains of Texas. The second thing is <clears throat> the plains of Texas are not humid. They're hot, but they're not hot and humid. Shit's dry as a bone up here, man. Now, not to be outdone, crypto mining to revive abandoned town in California. This is Julio Gil Pulger writing for the Bitcoinist.com sometime on, yeah, sometime yesterday. Two investors bought the Sierra Gordo town for $1.4 million in mid-2018. A CNBC report described it as a 22-building, 150-year-old ghost town located approximately 200 miles north of Los Angeles, California. Cerro Gordo lies near Death Valley National Park, edging the Inyo Mountains of the Owen Valley. Now, if, if you have never heard stories about Death Valley, it doesn't get much hotter. If I remember correctly, Death Valley is technically the hottest place on earth. Keep that in mind. Two young entrepreneurs bought the town, as CNBC reported. John Beer, owner of the public relations and communications agency Jack Taylor PR, and Brent Underwood, host and founder of Hostel HK Austin in Austin, Texas. Brent is also a partner at the creative advisory and marketing firm Brass Check. The entrepreneur's goal is to convert Cerro Gordo into a modern travel destination while preserving the feel of the old mine town. Of course, tourists will be able to make payments in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Indeed, Taylor and Brent's vision includes incorporating Bitcoin and its blockchain technology to make Cerro Gordo a haven for the crypto community where visitors can trade goods and services. The entrepreneurs are also planning to set up a crypto mining center in an old mine shaft, which is about 100, oh no, I'm sorry, 1100 feet deep. Moreover, Taylor and Brent plan to introduce innovative water conservation technology and obtain the necessary energy from solar and other renewable sources of energy. Despite Bitcoin price fluctuations and the fact that more than 80% of the coins have always already been mined, entrepreneurs still see crypto mining as a lucrative business. In this regard, abandoned and remote areas of the world seem to be the focus of visionary investors. For example, last year, BitRiver launched a mining farm near Bratsk, Siberia, now, BitRiver has become Russia's largest mining or Bitcoin mining facility. In this undertaking, Russian billionaire Oleg Dersposka combined crypto mining technology with one of the largest Soviet-era aluminum plants. Similarly, as Bitcoinist reported, Dmitry Marchinev's Russian mining company, RMC, is in an effort to increase Bitcoin mining across Russia and has explored the Nadevosky aluminum smelter in Karelia. Converting old aluminum plants into crypto industry hubs is also of interest in the U.S. Last October, Bitmain, the operator of the largest cryptocurrency mining pools in the world, launched. Yeah, we already went through that. Why are you saying it again? Uh, whatever. Um, yeah, and I think the whole reason why aluminum smelters are so 
like, I don't know, at this point, old aluminum smelters seem to be very, very coveted. And I think the reason is because how well they're hooked up to the the electrical grid, because you didn't, I I don't know of any gas-fired or coal-fired aluminum plants. They all use electricity to make the to create the heat, which melts the you know, which melts the ore, or heats up the ore so that the they can extract all the aluminum. <clears throat> and there's a shit ton of electricity that is needed to do that. And it just so happens that when you have that much electricity going into a building, it's a special deal. That's not it's not like you're just hooking up to the freaking pole, guys. This this is like. The electrical engineers have to come out and figure out how they're going to pump megawatts into a building without killing everybody inside and possibly some other people on the outside. So from my perspective, that's why the aluminum uh, smelting plant keeps coming back into these stories. But getting back to the whole point, we're starting to extract the mining from China and bringing it to Texas. And in, in this particular case, even though it's smaller into California, and I don't expect this, uh, this situation to end. Also, I do think that this is going to have some very serious ramifications on the building of heat tolerant chips, but also on the building of cryotechnologies, which is going to be necessary for superconducting supercomputers or yeah, so, well, okay. The, the whole quantum c- computing thing, um, for the very for the foreseeable future, those things have to be really, really, really cold, really cold. And this type of this type of activity of Bitcoin mining in really hot places of the world, I think that's going to foster some people to figure out you know cryo uh, cryo technologies a lot faster than they might would have if you see what I mean. So keep your eyes open for that. Um, Nordia. Oh God. Trying to whatever. Let's just do it. Nordia bank bans employees from trading Bitcoin. Christine Vasileva is writing yesterday for the Bitcoinist. Nordia bank has the right to prevent its employers from investing in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. A Danish court ruled. The bank will have the right to issue guidelines on owning and trading crypto even during time off work. Let that sink in. Cryptocurrency is risky, and the risks justify the restriction ruled a Copenhagen-based court. The lawsuit originated with Denmark's Union for Financial Industry Employees, reported Bloomberg. The rationale was that a ban on owning crypto coins was interfering with their employees' personal lives. Quote, we filed suit because of the principle that everyone obviously has a private life and the right to act as a private individual. (laughs) It was important for us and our members to establish what rights managers have. In this case, it was more far-reaching than what we find to be appropriate, Kent Peterson, the union's chairman, said. The bank's position is that investing in Bitcoin may damage the employer's reputation. Thus, owning Bitcoin is a breach of etiquette for Nordia Bank employees. The bank warned its workers and the Bitcoin market. Oh, sorry. The bank warned its workers that the Bitcoin market was unregulated and possibly linked to criminal activity. Paradoxically, however, Nordia Bank itself has offered derivative financial instruments based on crypto assets. <laughs> the hypocrisy, I love it. But those were only reserved for special clients. Employees could, if they wanted, invest in those products, but not own actual coins. Nordia Bank itself has launched a blockchain-based payment platform, We.Trade, allowing permission cross-border remittances for small businesses. The Nordia Bank ban dates back from January 2018, just on the tails of the biggest BTC bull market. But this time, the bank has justification based on a court ruling. Since the ban, Bitcoin has gone through one of its longest bear markets and has posted another 400% rally in the first six months of 2019. The coin could have hurt personal finance of employees, but it also could have led to significant gains. At this point, it is uncertain how the bank would check for crypto asset ownership. There's the rub. Holding actual BTC could be as simple as writing down or even memorizing a seed phrase. But even more paradoxically, Nordia Bank has been caught in the crosshairs with a a money laundering scandal. Oh, who would have guessed? The bank allegedly worked with Baltic bank partners leading to the handling of tainted funds. Despite the ban, 
The Bitcoin ledger remains much more transparent in comparison to bank ledgers. Balances and transactions are visible for everyone. And in multiple cases, the origin of coins can be tracked. So yeah, good luck with that. Good luck. But I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you where the, they can find stuff is as a bank employee. And I don't know, I don't know Dick about Denmark, but <clears throat> I would imagine that there's probably some mechanism in place that, even if a bank employee does not bank at that bank that they work at and they bank somewhere else, I'll bet you that there's some kind of proviso in their uh, their uh, employment structure that says that their employer can check all of their bank accounts and um, you know they'll, they'll have whatever their version of a social security number is and have access to everything that they do. So the only way to do that is like, oh God, well, you can't do it in local Bitcoins anymore since they added KYC AML, but like BISC, go, they'd have to use something like BISC or some kind of truly decentralized exchange where they were, would be able to go and I don't know, maybe, maybe it's like, maybe this is where BitRefill can come in is like using uh, the, all these prepaid, uh, like an Amazon card and then. I don't know, retrade it through bit refill to buy Bitcoin. I don't know. I don't know how that would work, but so somebody's got the ability to figure out a way around this kind of stupidity, because like I said, this show is going to get more stupid. Yeah. It gets even a little bit more stupid because the crypto industry is getting an ally in the United States Senate. Oh, really? Prishu Garg is writing December the 3rd for cryptoslate.com. Kelly Loeffler, the CEO of BACT, is set to be appointed as the new United States Senator of Georgia. According to CBS News, a source familiar with the plan confirmed the news, saying the decision would become effective on January the 1st, 2020. While it's still unclear who would succeed Loeffler as the head of BACT, her stint in the United States Senate could prove uh, to be invaluable to the crypto industry. Maybe. We'll, we, we'll have to see. While Georgia Governor Brian Kemp isn't set to announce his pick for the country's open United States Senate seat until Wednesday, December the 4th, that's today, sources close to the matter have confirmed the rumors that have been going around for the past few weeks. Kelly Loeffler, the CEO of BACT, will be Kemp's pick for the vacant seat. A financial industry veteran, Loeffler, will receive the support of the National Republican Senatorial Committee despite not being endorsed by United States President Donald Trump. When appointed, Loeffler will become the second female United States senator in Georgia's history. The political newcomer is said to have been chosen for the seat to attract a specific group of votes <laughs> that the Republican Party is desperately missing. Public Service Commissioner Tim Eccles, who also applied for the seat, told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that Governor Kemp made the right decision by choosing Loeffler. Quote, Kelly or any outstanding conservative woman helps Republicans win back suburban women who seem to have left our party in the last cycle. The governor knows what he's doing, end quote. This isn't the first time the long-time Republican donor had her eyes on the United States Senate. Back in 2014, Loeffler considered running for the Georgia seat, but ultimately backed down as the Intercontinental Exchange, who Loeffler was vice president of, was going through the acquisition of the New York Stock Exchange. Loeffler's 17-year stint as vice president of ICE ended when she was appointed the CEO of uh, Exchange's newest subsidiary, BACT. Since its launched or launched earlier this year, backed the market's first physically settled Bitcoin futures offering has posted record-breaking trade volumes. As the CEO of one of a handful of regulated companies offering crypto derivatives trading, Loeffler is set to bring a fresh new perspective to the industry, to the very top of U.S. politics. <clears throat> but while the crypto industry is looking forward to having a powerful ally in the Senate, Loeffler's political opponents accused her both and both her and the Republican Party of corruption. A spokesperson for the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee called Loeffler's appointment a corrupt coronation and accused her of buying her Senate seat with political donations. That's how all of you guys get elected. It, whether you're elected or appointed, you're just buying it at this point. My God almighty. <clears throat> you got your donors sit so close to the freaking money spigot that they can buy whoever they want in. This is why I don't give a shit about this stuff anymore or the politics. The reason I'm talking about this though, is that I don't know, man, this could go either way or actually there's three ways it could go. She could do not a damn thing for Bitcoin or she could work against Bitcoin by, you know, spouting the FUD narrative and like, I don't know, going over to uh, Ethereum or EOS or some other really scammy outfit 
you never know. I am continuously surprised by people who I thought were, you know, fairly ethical people just get sucked into the hole of really, really crappy coins and and help the builders of those crappy coins steal money from people who don't know any better. Hell, we're barely hanging on by our fingernails as it is insofar as where this industry is going, especially with Bitcoin and Lightning Network leading the way, which it is. It's hard to keep up with just that. So I don't know. I, I'm not going to get my hopes all the way up, but I don't know. I'm going to give her a shot. Uh, yeah, why not? I mean, God. And uh, okay, this one, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, State Street slashes DLT developer team as bank rethinks blockchain strategy. Mm-hmm. This is Ian Allison writing for Coindesk yesterday at 2225 UTC. State Street, the global custodian bank, has taken a new direction with its blockchain strategy and cut scores of developer jobs in the process, people familiar with the situation said. The focus is now more on digital assets such as tokenized stocks and bonds <laughs> through to cryptocurrencies rather than the heavy lifting work of the replumbing front to back office with distributed ledger technology. And I'm going to stop right there because if you're not laughing your ass off, you should be. You really should be. Why? Because this is we've been bitching about this for for freaking ever, man. All there's so many of these institutions said we're going to go to blockchain, but it's not a blockchain. It's a DLT, and there's no reason to have it. There's absolutely no reason for these guys to have it because they have no intention of being transparent. And the only way that you could truly use a blockchain is if that son of a bitch has a token of value that incentivizes people like me to run a freaking mining rig or a node somewhere other than the city that that place actually is in. Somebody in Denmark or somebody in France has to be incentivized to help secure the damn blockchain. Otherwise, all you end up with is a room full of people that have a copy of the same damn thing. And you, all you really need is Google sheets for that. Sorry, but that's just the way it is. And that's the morning roundup. Daily train wreck today is brought to you by somebody who I wish didn't bring you today's daily train wrecked. It's Andreas Antonopoulos at a Antonop on Twitter. Um, sometime yesterday, he asked for recommendations on what new podcast or, or shows that, that he should go on. So, so as to put the word in the street about cryptocurrency. Well, for those of you who don't know Andreas, he has for a long time been one of the largest proponents of Bitcoin, but until recently, for God only knows how many various reasons, and some of which we're probably not sure of, but you know, one of which we certainly are, um, decided to start embracing shitcoinery. And I still like Andreas because he still does. I mean, I can't fault the guy for his argumentation when it comes to Bitcoin. I cannot listen to him when he talks about anything, anything else because it's all bullshit and we know it and he should know it. And I don't understand why he doesn't, but so everybody started, you know, they, they were like, hell yeah, man, let's, uh, here's a, you know, I, I gave him a suggestion. I, I told him they should probably go on uh, the survival podcast and reach a completely different kind, you know, kind of audience. And uh, so apparently a lot of other people gave their recommendations, you know, hundreds of them, hundreds of them. So what did Andreas do? Well, he wrote a tweet and it says, fantastic recommendations for podcast. I think we've covered almost all of the white male podcasters I should visit. How about some other shows? Not American, not investment finance, not men, not white. I can't change me. I'm many of the above, but we can change the other side. You know what? That actually is so racist. It's not even funny. How is it? How is it that you think that talking about somebody's skin color and what you will do or not do for, with, or about them because of that skin color is not racist? 
that whole argument about you can't be racist against white people against white people. That's bullshit. If you don't know that that's bullshit, then please stop listening to this podcast because that's bullshit. If you discriminate against any person on this planet because of race, gender, creed, religion, it's racist. It doesn't matter if you're white and you say that that you're discriminating. I can discriminate against my own people. No, I can't. You're making the same damn call. You're discriminating based on somebody's skin color, even if that skin color is your own. Anyway, dude, that's that should be common knowledge. I'm just going to leave the pile smoldering over there in the corner. terrible joke corner marries up pretty damn well with what we were just talking about. This is dad says jokes at dad says jokes on Twitter, your repository for some of the most dry, horrible, terrible dad jokes and bad jokes that you'll ever find. It's a mine. It's, it's wonderful. It's what I'm so glad that I found it. So here we go. My daughter says she now identifies as a small group of words that have a collective meaning. Should I be concerned or is this just a phrase? (laughs) Identity politics has no place here. Bitcoin supposedly fixes a lot of stuff. If it does what I think it's going to do, it'll fix this garbage too. But until then, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.